Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, Complex Audio. Welcome to the last podcast episode of the year 2020 and the last episode of our first season. We're doing seasons by semester. So season one is fall 2020, and we'll start season two next semester. So winter slash spring 2021. Welcome back. And the last time we were on, we did say that we didn't know if we were going to have like a December episode. But we decided since, you know, the holidays are up and there's some things that we want to talk about, especially pertaining to like COVID or celebration habits, thought that it would be really good for us to come back and have this episode on December 29th. Like I know Christmas is over already, but then New Year's is coming up. So I feel like a lot of the things that we're talking about will still apply. Yeah, for sure. So our first topic we want to talk about is alcohol and what you can do to stay safe. Since the holiday season, or maybe it was just the holiday season, depending on when you're watching this, there's bound to be more people drinking. So we want to talk about how you can stay safe and how it can affect your health. We're not going to try and convince you to abstain from alcohol or anything like that. If you're not the drinker type, you can, you know, be the designated driver or the mom friend and look after your friend. And we'll talk with the assumption that you're going to go drinking or you're going to be there with your friends who are drinking. If you are the one going out drinking, like definitely definitely be sure to have like a mom friend or like have someone responsible like even your real mom being there um (laughs) like for me like I'm usually the mom friend when my friends go out drinking mostly because I don't feel very comfortable being drunk in public I will get like tipsy and I'll stop and sober up so I don't feel left out but like I'm also not wasted on the floor um (laughs) (laughs) that's a good plan yeah so you know just always be sure you have someone to bring you home because if you're celebrating outside I hope you're not but if you're celebrating outside um it would be better for someone to bring you home so you're not drunk driving or you're not like wandering drunk in the winter or if you're staying inside um you have someone to cut you off so you don't throw up in your mom's basement (laughs) these are all good plans we hope it won't get that bad i like your detail about like drinking with your mom that is very wholesome but it's also (laughs) relatable i'm home all the time now and drinking with my parents so yeah i mean these will still apply and even after covid hopefully when it's over we can use this information going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one thing we want to learn, this isn't really more of a health tip, it's more of a safety tip. We mm-hmm. want to make sure that you have a plan before you go out drinking. Socially distance, of course, we hope. So make sure you have a way out plans, like a designated driver, like we said, or like an Uber setup. And also a cool tip that I just learned is like you should have um, multiple rideshare apps on your phone so that if one doesn't work out or one is down, you can use the other one. So plans change quickly, make sure you know what you're doing. Oh, that's a good tip, actually, because I only use Uber. So if Uber was down, then I would have to call a taxi and taxis are really expensive in Toronto. Would not use one is what I'm saying. Like, it's pretty expensive. So next time I'm back in Toronto, like, I'll keep that in mind because it's like hard to like bring around six wasted people when you're just one human. I don't have the physical capability to drag six drunk people home. But like also like having apps ready are just, it's just super important, especially if you find yourself feeling uncomfortable in a situation or if you're feeling unsafe. Um, like as most of us who've drank know, like drinking can lower your defenses when we're like impaired by alcohol. And so, you know, we want to still have the ability to get yourself home when you're able to make informed decisions beforehand. Also, another thing is that when you're on Uber or Lyft, like there's usually an option to share your ride info with a contact so they can keep track of where you're going. And I would definitely, definitely recommend that. Um, even recommend you pretending to call someone or even call someone while you're on a ride to prevent like Ubers from like kidnapping you or like taking you somewhere that you don't want to go. Like I definitely get paranoid sometimes when I'm riding an Uber. So like I always share my contact with someone. Yeah, I do that a lot too. Actually, my mom's like the paranoid one doesn't matter. Like it can be the middle of the day. Like sometimes you're 
your family, your friends just want to know you're okay. And it's that you can never be too safe. So some people think they can stay alert after having a few drinks, but not everyone's tolerances are the same. Your experiences one night might differ from previous nights if you try different mixes or ingredients. So check in on yourself through the night and ask yourself if you need to go home or if you need to stop, especially like if you're feeling like suddenly uncomfortable or suddenly really sick. The point of drinking usually is to have fun. And if you're not having fun anymore, then maybe it's time to go home and take care of yourself. Yeah, for sure. Like one, your your alcohol tolerance depends on a lot of things. And second of all, like you never know if someone's drugged you. So like maybe usually you can throw back 11 shots and you're like, cool. But if someone like drugged your drink, then one drink would, you know, put you out of commission immediately. So, you know, always be alert about how you're feeling. So that and always have a friend nearby who can help you. So like if you're feeling sick or if you need to leave immediately, you have an out. And on the topic of alcohol tolerance, like I personally know that people who are heavier tend to have higher alcohol tolerances because, you know, these taller, heavier people carry more water in their blood. So they're able to dilute the alcohol in their bloodstream. Um, So that typically means that like women like us um, have like lower alcohol tolerances on average, like me being five, six, five, seven, I'm like not going to have the same tolerance as my friend who's six, three, like, and that's understandable. Although unfortunate. (laughs) So, you know, like, be sure that you know what you're doing. Yeah. And there's actually another reason why women have lower alcohol tolerances. And I didn't know this before, but a um, woman's liver is produced less alcohol dehydrogenase, which is an enzyme that breaks down alcohol, meaning that it builds up in the system faster than men without being eliminated. Mm, what's also interesting is that alcohol affects people differently by ethnicity. Like I'm sure y- some of y'all have heard of Asian glow, which is what people call like alcohol flush reaction, which is really, really common with people with yeast Asian heritage, which is basically like once you drink any sort of alcohol, like your face gets really, really, really red and you like basically look like you're on fire essentially. I don't know how to describe it. It's like if you have like a really deep blush, like if you've not seen someone get Asian glow, it's basically like if you like ran five miles and you've never run in the past and like your face is like completely red and flushed, unless I'm gonna get really sweaty too. But basically, this happens a lot in East Asians and it is because of the lack of the aldehyde dehydrogenase enzyme or ALDH2. Um, So like in East Asians, typically alcohol is like metabolized in the liver. That's why we say if you drink too much, your liver will have problems. Like, yes, it will have problems if you drink too much. And it is there, like alcohol is oxidized um, first to acetaldehyde and then it's, and then just acetate. So then like this ALDH2 is like super important because it's the enzyme that like converts alcohol to acetaldehyde. So like without this enzyme, the acetaldehyde accumulates up to 10 times normal concentration, which shows on the human body as Asian glow or like headaches, sweatiness, nausea, like any symptoms that a lot of people have after, you know, having a very brief amount of drinks. And fun fact, antihistamines like Benadryl sometimes can uh, reduce the glow. It won't prevent the other symptoms, unfortunately. So, you know, like there are people who have this problem. Like they obviously know that people are going to laugh at them when I know friends, like I've gone out drinking with friends who've not drank before. And like once they've had Asian glow, people make fun of them. So like, you'll know if you have Asian glow. Okay. Like you'll know because people tell you there are drugs that actually have ALDH2. Like it will help you like break down the dehydrate, um, the alcohol. Like I've had friends who take pills when they go out drinking um, because it helps with their like flush or whatever. So, you know, like if you're unsure about it or like if you know you have it, take the precautions, like bring the drugs with you or, you know, control your drinking because it tends to mean that you're more likely to get like alcohol poisoning than like an average person. Yeah, those, those are good facts. I actually didn't know about the, that you can take pills with um, all the H2. That'll definitely help. And geez, I mean, thank you for doing all the enzyme stuff. I left all that hard stuff to you. <laughs> you're welcome. I oh feel, <laughs> yeah, that's so that's sorry. I cannot pronounce words anymore. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> pronounce words anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, you had to take a long sip of water after that one. It's basically yeah, no, biochemistry. Yes, it's been so long since I've taken biochemistry. Like I can, I can hardly say the word aldehyde at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I did not enjoy that class. No, me neither. Terrible class. Ten out of ten would not recommend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you go interview it, it's just like, would this? Would you recommend this class to someone else? It's like strongly disagree <laughs> but it's important that all of us in life science have to take the course it's like you you can't say no like if you take a science course you just like if you're a science major you just have to take that course and I I understand it's like the building block of science like it's it's just it can be kind of dry occasionally <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you'll know what we're talking about if you're a first year that's on your way watch out second course mm-hmm. if you're a second year at UFT you'll know what we're talking about or maybe other people at other institutions who take biochemistry have the same reaction. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, speaking of biochemistry, like medications can also interfere with those reactions that occur when you drink. So alcohol causes sleepiness. I think we all know that. And so any medications that cause drowsiness, such as anti-anxiety or sleeping medications, and some de- antidepressants and antihistamines can also worsen your intoxication. So like we mentioned with like Asian glow, we said to like antihistamines can reduce the glow. Like you want to make sure if you're going to do that, like don't choose any that will make you more sleepy because I'll just I'll just worsen the effect. I think I'd probably like prefer the old age to like pills over that now that I know about this. And so if you take any medication at all, like just be sure to ask your doctor or your pharmacist about how it um interacts with alcohol oh yeah i know for sure like i did mention benadryl earlier and like i know for some people benadryl can make them super sleepy so obviously like don't take that if you're gonna (laughs) drink like it obviously won't make your experience any better and i know a lot of people who can't drink alcohol because of the meds that they take like it'll completely deactivate it so like be sure you know what's going on and like in the end like our message or like our psa about alcohol safety is literally like stay safe know your limits always have someone to back you up just in case you feel sick or need to leave and like most importantly as i said before like know your limits because it's different for everyone like even within families my family has pretty high alcohol tolerance in general but there's always like a per- one person out like my grandma like you know like some like chinese cuisine we use like rice wine to cook mm-hmm. in it like my grandma will take a whiff of that chicken with that rice wine and she's like out and she's like <laughs> she's <"Whoa." laughs> but then like the rest of us can drink like way more and like my dad can drink like a whole bottle of whiskey before he's out like and that's way different from sniffing like some like alcohol-based chicken and like passing out so you know (laughs) yeah all right no it's like also really funny too because like that grandma is my dad's mom so like it's like (laughs) i guess your dad's dad like passed down that gene that's actually another good point that i read though like age can affect um how you how you take an alcohol when you get older it's worth I honestly didn't know that. I figure out like holiday celebrations, especially like Christmas, like a lot of the older generations, like moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, you know, like they would drink more than the younger generation. Like my family doesn't celebrate Christmas like how you see in like Western movies. Like we go to church and stuff, but like I wouldn't feel too comfortable getting drunk in front of my mom and dad. So like <laughs> I feel like on average, like the older generations drink more at these events. I think it'd be very interesting to see like how like alcohol tolerance compares between different generations because as you said, like it might affect older people more than younger people. So I don't know, case study. I would love to see a case study or a study about this. <laughs> I have seen case studies actually in the form of like, like people saying that like they could like drink so much in their 20s and by the time they like hit their 40s, they're like take one drink and pass out. I've heard stories like that before. Sad if you like to get drunk, but good for your wallet, honestly. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one upside. There's an upside to every situation. Mm, for sure. Yeah. So basically, when you go out drinking or you're tagging along with friends who are drinking, just keep a, a plan in mind for your safety and know your limits based on your weight, your gender, your ethnicity, and the medications you take, and also your age. All right. So another thing we have to look at this holiday season, which hasn't ever been a problem before, is um, COVID-19, the pandemic. I know by the time that this episode comes out, Christmas is over at this point, but New Year's is coming up in a couple of days. So it's still important to take precautions during this time. And I hope you did take precautions during like the Christmas season. So we're going to get started on giving you some advice about COVID precautions in the holiday season. Yeah. So start the first off, the safest option is not to meet up people outside your bubble at all. There's always FaceTime and Zoom and I've been using this that whole time. And I think a lot more people know how to use it. So it's getting more convenient. And like, I know it's hard because the holiday season is typically like the first time in a while you get to see your entire family like I know families who fly cross country to like go see their grandparents and like typically for us college students it's the first time since summer that we get to see our family but please 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 avoid meeting with people who are outside your normal social bubble so like you know if you live with your mom dad and your sister and brothers like that's your typical social circle please avoid like traveling cross country to see your grandparents or like even going next door to your neighbors to have dinner and this is especially important when regards like in regards to food because a fact that I like heard recently is that the most common form of like community transmission that happens in like very health conscious mask wearing places comes from when people take their masks off to eat with friends that they haven't seen in a while and like that causes a lot of community transmission to happen so you know like avoid going out to places and doing things where you have to take your mask off like getting brunch getting dinner things like that you know even going to a holiday party where you drink champagne things like that because it really increases the risk of transmission and definitely don't go out to a restaurant you know we haven't seen Nima in month but please like keep her safe by keep staying away from her this year elderly are more at risk from dying are getting seriously impaired from COVID so we need to protect them more than anyone yeah like I know this is a huge bummer and I know a lot of people have like really amazing holiday traditions like making a specific cake or cookie with their family having like competitions to decorate the best tree things like that but you know Think of this as like a new chance to make a tradition. You can plan a holiday food exchange with friends and family by baking food and baked goods and like delivering them to other people after, you know, wearing masks, you know, maybe sanitizing the container um, before you give it to them. And they can also deliver things back to you. So you can have like a really cool Christmas potluck um, from the comfort of your own home. And if one of your family doesn't cook well, they won't know you didn't eat it. So very convenient pro tip. (laughs) And the same goes for presents as well. Like you can drop them off at your family members' houses. Or you can have them shipped. Like a lot of online retailers have, like Amazon have the option to send your gift wrapped. Okay, I'm not the biggest advocate of using big businesses during a pandemic because, you know, they obviously have the means to survive. So like, I know a lot of small businesses who are definitely willing to ship to your friend's house directly. So maybe go out of your way to like, try to look at small businesses, you know, send your friend a gift from a small business. Um, I find that small businesses tend to have like better packages. Like they like to package like small things and they give like candy and like cute cards that are handwritten. It's really cool to open small packages, like packages from small companies. So like, if you have the means to, because I know small companies tend to be a little more expensive than Amazon, please try shopping small or like local so that, you know, these businesses can survive and your friend can maybe get like a more personalized gift. 
Christmas this year. That's such a good point. We definitely need to support small businesses right now. Um, beyond the responsibilities of just spending time with your family and getting them gifts and all that, you can also take the time to relax on your own. It's going to be stressful when you're trying to organize and gifts or planning events and doing all that cooking and baking. This year, think about giving yourself a chance to breathe. Curl up in a blanket with some hot chocolate and watch some Hallmark movies because you deserve it. It's been a long year. 2020 has been a really hard year for a lot of us and we have a lot to reflect on how we spent it, how it has gone. And this season, it is more important than ever to take time for your mental health and give yourselves a moment of peace. Even though we've been at home for maybe for over half a year now, for essentially nine months at this point in time, and usually we associate spending time at home with relaxation, you know, this year is a little different. Like we have to operate for school, work, everything from a computer screen. And like that really takes a toll on a lot of people. I know online school has really taken a toll on me. Like looking at my grades and how they're going to come out like I know a bunch of these courses I should have I would have done way better in in person but like the online delivery method has changed a lot of things for us so you know give yourself a break take your time to reflect if you like and you know pat yourself on the back like you've done well and you know keep in mind like there is hope on the horizon right like the vaccine just got approved like the Moderna and Pfizer one both of them got approved and they're sending them out you know, like the Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto, the Infectious Disease Unit got their first doses recently. And if you're in Canada, Canada has bought enough vaccines for everybody, every citizen of like, so 30 million of us, like every person living there to get two doses. Hopefully, maybe by next fall, we'll be able to get back in person. Yeah. I'm praying. I want to, I want to graduate in person. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm coming back next year, like no matter what, like come hell or brimfire, I'm going to be there for my final year. I want to so bad. Like, I am in a country where things are a lot better. Like, you know, Taiwan has been doing pretty well. Unfortunately, this past couple of days, we had our first community transmission case in like since April. So our streak died. But, you know, like things are getting better. Like Taiwan's still getting the vaccines. Like all of us are trying our best. And hopefully next fall we'll be back in person. Like, yeah, if, if there's an if there's an in-person option I'm taking, I'm sorry. Like I have to. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll go in a biohazard suit. Watch me. Like I think it would just be like really hard to be away from Toronto when we're like trying to ask profs for like grad school and med school recommendations. I don't know. I just feel like it would be much easier if we were in Toronto to get the guidance we need to do like interviews and things like that. Speaking on the vaccine, let's get into our very, very, very last segment today, which is debunking myths. Um, we haven't done this segment in a while, but today we're going to be debunking myths on the COVID vaccine because I just see so much misinformation and so much stuff that like, I get the concern for, but is causing unnecessary fear in people, I think. Unfortunately, in the past, unreliable scientific literature has caused for like immense circulation of misinformation. You see a lot of things on the internet, a lot of articles like saying what this vaccine will do to you, what it won't do to you. And even though Instagram is like, this has information about COVID-19, don't trust it. Like we've started to ignore it over the time. So we wanna like test like reliability and validity. So what we mean by reliability is the consistency of a measure and validity is the accuracy of a measure. So when we say reliability of a of a source, we want to see has this source like always spread good information and correct information? The validity is the accuracy of the measure. So are these the right facts? And look at different sources, compare them and look at reliable sources like the CDC. Definitely not just what your friend is posting on social media, branch out from there at the very least. And reaching a conclusion on the basis of what's seen online can be like super harmful. Like we said, please don't like take our advice to diagnose yourself. Don't do that at all. Do your own research before you fall into the trap. 
on the topic of like social traps my friend sent me this video the other day that he took from like waterloo like near the toronto area like the waterloo area and it's like this person put out an ad like a rolling like you know those like led light rolling things that like mm-hmm. and it says don't get the covid vaccine the rna and the covid vaccine will change your dna and i'm like no where'd no, you get no, that no, no. according no. to that info every single vaccine would have changed your you know dna essentially like where did this person get that info i was so confused and like people will believe that because it's on a billboard so like people are gonna think it's like a valuable or like reliable source and so like as adrian just said it's like really 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 important for you to actually get like your information from trusted reliable sources and like here's the thing like if your doctor is getting the covid vaccine i think it's safe to say that it's pretty safe to get it yeah we're all gonna get it in the end yeah well we're gonna have to or else things are not gonna get back to normal like i know everyone's gonna start (laughs) to go back please everyone get it i wanna i wanna live my life again yeah like i know y'all want to go clubbing i know y'all want to go out like get the vaccine it will help you like achieve what you want (laughs) so generally like getting vaccinated is like super important um i know as we just said that if we get vaccinated things can get back to normal but in general like since it's been a a hot sex since like the rise of like anti-vaxxers and if you didn't know this which is why you're probably listening to this is that like vaccines help prevent diseases and illnesses that are generally preventable and how it works is that we insert kind of like a dead version of the virus or whatever the vaccine is fighting against into your bloodstream so that your immune system has the ability to fight it and they get the ability to fight it from fighting this dead version of a non-activated version and then when you when the actual disease gets into your system, um, then your immune system is already equipped to fight it. So it will kill it off before you can actually feel the real symptoms of it. And vaccines not only protect yourself, um, there are a lot of people who are immunocompromised around us. So like people who cannot get vaccines. Um, this comes in the form of people who are getting cancer treatments. So like chemotherapy suppresses their immune system. So like their immune system can't fight anything. Like they literally cannot fight the flu. So if you get the vaccine for COVID, if you get the vaccine for things like the chicken pox, measles, mumps, you know, things like that, um, it will prevent these people from getting it because once like that disease gets in your system, it gets immediately killed off, right? So you don't have the opportunity to spread it to someone else. So then these people won't be able to get it. And this is called herd immunity. When most of the population gets these vaccinations, it can help prevent these people who can't get vaccines from getting the disease. Yep, that's right. And it's like, we've actually seen this happen. So people that are doubting like that will ever get out of this. The disease smallpox, which was like way long ago, that was just super deadly and killed a lot of um, Native Americans when the Europeans brought here, got here. We've completely eradicated due to vaccination and we all need to do our part. We get our flu shot every year. So this is part of that. You need to make sure to, that you do your part to maintain herd immunity. And it's not just about you, it's about the world and it's about your friends and it's about your family. Even if you don't have anyone in your friends and family that are immunocompromised, like think of the betterment of your community. Like don't be selfish. There are a lot of people who would love to love to love to get the vaccine if they could, but they cannot due to like health conditions and stuff like that. And like protecting the people around you is like a, a respectful and like a common courtesy thing to do. Like do your best to be a good person, I guess, and like avoid trying to spread diseases around. Um, speaking on the smallpox thing, at some point it was declared completely eradicated, but smallpox has been seen to pop up in communities where people are very anti-vaccination. So 
like in small pockets. So like if you live in like the greater Toronto area, you probably don't have to be that afraid of it because most people are vaccinated. But like if you're from like a very conservative area that is anti-vax, there is a possibility of getting it. Obviously, if you have the vaccine, obviously you're not going to get it, but it's been seen to pop up again, which means, which proves, literally proves that herd immunity works. Since people aren't getting the vaccine, they're getting the disease. So, but the people who are getting the vaccine, like even the immunocompromised people aren't getting it. So once again, please, please, please get vaccinated. If you are healthy and able to get yeah so now we can move on to the myths our first myth is that vaccines can cause severe illnesses or worsen the condition that is totally totally not true i can see where the fear comes from because like you are like putting a dead disease or like a dead virus into your body and like that may trigger a little bit of your immune system to fight it harder than like usual or like to have like a worse response to it like at the start like I know a lot of people who get like the flu shot and they get like a fever the next day like it's totally normal that's like your body reacting and trying to fight it off like definitely having a fever for one day is that better than like suffering from the flu for two weeks like and what's important to note is that the vaccine will not lead to long-term effects in individuals like as I said like complications or side effects um only happen within minutes or like hours after administration so like your arm might be sore you know you might have to call off work the next day because you have a fever from it, but there's not going to be long-term effects. And it's highly, highly unlikely that the COVID-19 will even have some of these effects due to the fact that, you know, they've had a sufficient amount of time to develop it and they've tested it on way more people than like normal vaccine has been tested on. So they've tried and they've looked to account for these side effects that we usually see. But do feel free to monitor your health upon receiving the vaccine. You always have the opportunity to communicate with a doctor or your healthcare professional. So the second myth is that the production of the vaccine was rushed. This isn't true. The vaccine was produced quickly, but that doesn't mean the rules or regulations were skipped. The vaccine was able to be produced much more quickly than other vaccines because of like several reasons. The first one is that researchers were able to apply knowledge from previous um, coronavirus and vaccine research, especially about SARS, which is a which is a virus genetically similar to COVID that um, broke out in 2003. A lot of research resulted from that that helped us out. And the second one is that a lot of a lot of scientific advances have been made over the past that that scientists have been able to break down the mechanisms, components, and methodologies required to create a vaccine much more efficiently. Third reason is that hundreds of vaccine candidates, many more than usual, were being developed and tested at the same time. So instead of just one at a time being developed and then being rejected, we had like vaccines being developed and we're like, okay, this one didn't work. Let's try this one like immediately. So that one really sped things up. And of course, like number four, like um, financial support, well, of course, is like coming in way more than usual because everyone's suffering everywhere. So governments are trying to fund it. So don't worry. I know that this whole thing is scary, but the safety and efficacy of the vaccine were accounted for and went through all the same processes that would usually take. Yeah. And like usually the wait time, like the reason why like past viruses have taken so long to develop is because most of the wait time is on like trying to get money again for the research. Um, like applying to government grants and applying for research funds takes quite a bit of time. And so like if they run out of money and they're like partially through, the research you have to like wait a couple months to like get the funding or like wait a couple months to get approval to move to the second stage of testing things like that but because everyone's so desperate to get like a covid vaccine like they've been funneling like unlimited money into it so there's no monetary concerns and they've also they don't have to like wait for 10 like five years for the company to be for like the government to get to their application 
you know, because like their application would be like first priority. We skip a lot of bureaucracy when it comes to like emergency with COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing that is important to know is that like, um, you know how I was just talking about that sign about people saying that like the RNA will like affect your DNA, like when you like take the vaccine, like, I think this is like a really big misconception. um, Because like, this is the first mRNA vaccine that's going to be used to fight a virus like this and like people in general don't know how it works so like as i said before like vaccines like trigger an immune response to produce antibodies which can fight the virus and um, most vaccines that we get have like a weakened form of the virus or like you know a dead version non-activated version um so the mrna vaccine which is the co- which is the type of vaccine that the covid vaccine is um instead introduces an mrna and s- to create a protein to trigger the immune system why is that it's because you know it's a virus. Like viruses infect the body differently than germs or like bacteria do. So we can't introduce like like a weakened version of it. Like we have to introduce like the mRNA version, mRNA in it. And like the mRNA used is not from the live virus and it does not interact with our DNA in any way. In fact, the mRNA is broken down after its instructions are used to create antibodies. Like, please don't be scared. Like mRNA, like when you have a virus in your body, like it's kind of like a parasite. I can't, there's not a better way for me to describe it. Kind of like a parasite. It kind of uses like your cell functions to produce more of itself. And like your own personal immune response goes and destroys the, the origins or the places that these the viruses is living. Or like it does something like it, it kills the capsule, like the thing that protects the like virus and then it's like dead, you know, things like that. So when we take the vaccine and the mRNA is introduced, like it will immediately get flagged by your immune system and they'll go destroy it. And then like, you'll have an ability to fight it future in future cases. So if you accidentally get COVID, um, you won't even feel the effects of it because your body will immediately see it. They'll be like, we fought this before. That's super easy. And then they'll just go kill it immediately. Yeah. yeah. One way I like to think about it actually, and um, <laughs> not this sort of like uh, avoid the parasite uh, mm-hmm. metaphor is that to think of like mRNA is like kind of your coach, you know? It's like, okay, here's how to fight the bad guys. And then they practice, they practice that, which creates, the, that's the immune response. And then, so once you actually get the virus, right, right, like Theodora said, they know what to do and it's way easier for them to kill it off. Mm-hmm. Also like, like the parasite analogy is kind of like a more of a mechanical way to describe it. Like both of us have taken a course that teaches us how viruses infect us. And so like, mm-hmm. if you're not really knowledgeable about this, like, don't be afraid. Like it's really nothing. It's just kind of a way for like people who study science to like kind of visualize how it works. But n- there's no worries. Like as Adrian said, it's like a coach, like it's teaching your body to fight it so that when it, the real thing happens, Happens. we hope it doesn't but like if the real thing ever comes and gets you then the body's like we got this like we got frontline defense we're done like immediately so you don't get sick at all okay so our final myth is one that i'm sure everyone um, may believe or a lot of people may believe is that once i get the vaccine i do not have to take safety precautions practice social distancing and i can begin planning my new year party <laughs> and like as much as i wish for that to happen that is so not true yeah we unfortunately this is so sad but we have to continue sticking to the rules and sticking to the guidelines of your region continuing mass social distancing and sanitizing everything not everyone the public is vaccinated and protected from the virus we mentioned those that are immunocompromised and it's going to be harder for them to be immune so mm-hmm. you know maintain hygiene upon contact and share those safety measures and also another reason is that like not all the vaccines aren't like 100% effective. They're very, very close. I know this is sort of like, it's like one in a million sort of kind of thing, but 
like not everyone's going to be protected. So just make sure you're still keeping clean. Yeah, it takes time to achieve herd immunity, right? Like we're getting vaccines in waves. So like the healthcare workers are getting them first, then like maybe teachers and then like regular people, you know, things like that. So like if you're one of the people who get the vaccine earlier, like you you have to be aware of that like the rest of the population doesn't have it yet. Mm-hmm. So even though you're immune from it, like someone could have give you the like the virus for example and like even though you don't feel the effects of it and you're never going to get the disease essentially, you could accidentally pass it on to someone else who hasn't gotten the vaccine yet. So like please 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 like you know continue to social distance until like herd immunity is achieved and is announced by a reputable scientific source. Yeah. Another thing that we have to keep caution of is the fact that like mutant strains can be created really fast, especially in like a global pandemic where, you know, like so many people get it, like mutations can happen pretty fast. And the vaccine that we've come out with, the one, the COVID-19 strain, like SARS-CoV-2, which is the one that most people get, but the UK is kind of facing a problem where a much more contagious coronavirus mutation that we don't have much information on has come out and been seen in a couple of people. So, you know, we should continue to practice social distancing and safety measures so that we don't get this form of the coronavirus. And like, this is not to say that the new virus, like the new vaccine isn't effective. It's still going to be effective towards most strains. Like this new form is only popping up in different places. And I'm pretty sure scientists are on it immediately. They're going to figure something out to fight it. Maybe a, like a, a, diff, a vaccine again. Like, you know how like if with some vaccines, like you, get, you can get like a booster shot of it later on in life. Like this might manifest as a booster shot. So like, don't worry. Like you're not going to die. But, you know, take the safety precautions and like avoid big spaces. Like avoid going to concerts avoid shopping in the mall and like peak times things like that yeah i'm afraid that people like are gonna get the vaccine and then immediately go out to party like it's so hard there's the temptation but you know hang in there it's hard to say how long this will last but a a normal world will return again don't worry like we've survived worse than that and you know actually free vaccines are gonna be available to everyone who lives in canada throughout 2021 so (laughs) get out there and get your vaccine soon once it's available to you i know there's an order to it so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that, that vaccine is both the Pfizer and the BioNTech vaccine that will be in Canada. So yeah, yeah the priority high-risk groups will be getting vaccinated first. So those are the senior care workers, elderly health care workers, and indigenous adults. And we encourage you to look into getting the vaccine and which centers near you offer the services and researching about the vaccine on your own to learn more. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of the episode. We hope you've been having a great holiday season. We hope you had a great time over Christmas with your family. And we hope you continue to have a restful break as the new year comes up and as um, as work starts picking up again early January. Also, stay tuned for season two. We're going to start bringing on guests who are way more qualified and professional than we are, such as professors, (laughs) industry professionals, medical workers. So um, look forward to that so that we will be posting about the people we're interviewing ahead of time and i hope you're looking forward to you know meeting the people that we have reached out to and who are willing to come on to our podcast as people we interview yeah we'll also be setting out like um q a's on instagram in case um we'll we'll announce who the hosts are or what they're specializing in and Mm -hmm. so please interact and ask like questions about what you want to hear from these and your questions will probably be featured like right on the segment yeah for sure like i mean as much as we have questions to ask like it's always great to have 
have community input. Um, so be on the lookout for the bios that we post of our guests and um, any Instagram polls that we put out for you to ask us questions. If you don't know, our Instagram is at healthxvisuals um, and you can find us there um, for most of our content, um, including the podcast or other pages like Facebook, our website, and obviously our infographics are on that site too. All right. I hope you have a nice holiday. Bye. Bye.